TII item 212, February 18th, 2012. What part of no did you not understand? Was it the N or the O? Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullet! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Hover. Please visit tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to get 10% off your domain name registrations. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Chris for sending in the music you hear in the background. Chris wrote, Hey, Rob, made this with GarageBand and DJ Mixer Pro. Hope you like it. Regards, Chris DeBrody from Fulton Mo. Thanks, Chris, for the music. And folks, I will try to remember to put the full song at the end of this episode. I also want to thank Larry for sending in the artwork for today's show. Larry wrote, Hi, Rob. I took a snapshot of your logo using the screen uh, snapshot feature. I then used an app called Grungetastic for the unique filtering. I then used Photo Genie for the borders and to sharpen the image. Thought you might like it. Regards, Larry. Well, Larry, thanks again for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Larry's artwork in the TII app in the extras for episode 212, or if you subscribe via iTunes as the album artwork and also as a standalone post in the VIP section, and I will try to get it up on Google Plus and Facebook as well. If you have some artwork and or music you have created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com and make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, what you saw with smartphones hitting an inflection point with Android, you'll see it again with tablets. There will be another 20 tablets that will come by the end of the year that will push the industry in different directions, unquote. Shantunu Narayan Adobe, 2nd of June, 2011. Hi, Shantunu. I have two words for you. Mobile flash. Just saying. Okay, well, I guess that's four words with the just saying there. For promo codes, on episode 211, we offered up chances to win promo codes for the app OnePost and also for the app Budget Bow. I will give those out shortly, so if you want more info on those apps, go back and listen to the beginning of app 211, and you'll get the additional details there. This week, we have promo codes for two apps. The first is for the app Stream Show. Let's play the review from the dev. Hello, my name is James, and I'm the developer of Stream Show for iPad. Stream Show for iPad is a simplistic iCloud photo stream presentation utility. Stream Show automatically updates and displays new photos as they arrive on your iPad via iCloud and photo stream. Take photos with your iPhone, and they are displayed on your iPad on the same iCloud account. You can use ShowStream at a family gathering or event as a live photo frame. Set up your iPad on a stand in a common gathering area and take photos as you normally would on your iPhone. Your photos will be displayed and updated automatically on your iPad. Stream Show requires no special configuration or setup, it just works. Stream Show 1.0 is available in the App Store for 99 cents. Thanks, Rob, for all you do. Thanks, James, for sending those promo codes for your app. 
stream show. Folks, if you would like a chance or the promo codes for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put stream show in the subject line. Be giving these away sometime next week. The second one we have promo codes for is the app The Art of Coffee. Let's play the comments from the dev on that. Hi Rob, it's Andrew Hammonds here from Brisbane, Australia. I'm the developer of a new app called Art of Coffee. This app shows users of all experience levels how to create gorgeous coffee art. For those that don't know, coffee or latte art are the designs on the top of your coffee you find in cafes. Art of Coffee has detailed information on how to create over 30 designs, including video and step-by-step -step photos with instructions. All the information and demonstrations in the app are completed by two of Australia's champion baristas, Habib Mabani and Alex Sethus. The app is available for $2.99 and I've attached five promo codes for your listeners. Thanks, Rob, and keep up the great work. Thanks, Andrew, for sending those promo codes along. Folks, if you would like a chance for a promo code for this app, send an email to todayinios at gmail.com and put Art of Coffee in the subject line. Please just send in one email for one app or the other, but not for both. If you send it in for both, no soup for you. As always, if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com and please also include a 60 second or less audio review of your app indicating in the review that you are the dev. And now into the news we shall go. There was a lot of buzz in the blogosphere the last 10 or so days about privacy and some iOS apps that were pulling your contact lists without first letting you know what they were doing. This started with the app Path, which the CEO apologized for pulling the data without asking and then said all data had been purged from their servers. There was also Twitter saying they pulled your friends' contacts as well when you chose the option Find My Friends. But really, is that a surprise for anyone that used that feature? I mean, how else did you think Twitter was going to know who your friends were? And then there were other apps such as Yelp and Foursquare admitting uh, to pulling your contact info as well without first asking. Per Apple's rules, what these apps were doing was, well, against the rules and strictly verboten. Well, the part about pulling the data without asking, that is. Apps can pull your contact list data if that data is needed by the app to, say, find your friends. But even then, the app needs to ask permission which it seems most apps busted on this were not asking permission. So, of course, focus quickly turned from these apps that were not following the rules to Apple for allowing these apps to get through the approval process. This even includes letters from a couple of members of the U.S. Congress to Tim Cook, because, you know, everything is going so peachy in Washington these days that the reps have nothing better to do than find out why their contact info was pulled by Twitter without their knowledge. Apple, for their part, has responded and reiterated that what the devs did was wrong and that Apple would be adding in features in an upcoming version of iOS which would force the apps to ask for permission before said data would be able to be pulled. Some have taken this opportunity here to beat up Apple over the issue, to which I say, well, Apple did have rules in place, and, well, should they have caught these apps for violating those rules before approving the apps? Yeah. Yeah, they should have. Per the question of, is this a major issue? Heck no. Sorry, this is being blown way out of proportion here. 
none of the apps so far that were found to be pulling the data were doing anything underhanded with the data and none were selling the data. And in some cases, the data was needed and should have been expected by the end user to have been pulled for the features that they were choosing to use on those apps. Could one of the apps done something nefarious? Sure. But it still would be a lot less severe than what, say, the malware apps on Android are doing or can do. There were a few apps in the Apple Garden that did not follow the rules. Apple is putting in place changes in the software that will now force apps to follow the rules that they should have been following anyway. This will be an added feature that, that makes iOS a little more secure. But at the end of the day, will this issue be something that has the average user take pause with Apple? Nope. But it will be something the media will milk as long as they can. And speaking of media milking privacy issues, let's see how much the media reports on issues that were just discovered where Google was caught purposefully circumventing iOS's built-in anti-ad tracking features. There's a great post on this by Cory Doctorow over at Boing Boing titled, Wall Street Journal or WSJ, Google caught circumventing iPhone security. I'll look for that in the show notes for episode 212 or the link to that over at todayinios.com. So Apple adds in a bunch of security features in Safari that allow you to block annoying placement of cookies from ad networks. Essentially, since Apple is not an advertising-centric company, but rather an end-user-centric company, they put in features for the end-user. Google, on the other hand, is an advertiser-centric company. And with their Chrome browser, they don't have these features to turn off tracking of. Actually, all browsers except Chrome allow this. But seems Google was so frustrated with these security settings in Safari, they did what any don't-be-evil company would do. They said, frack you, to the end user, and just figured out how to get around those privacy settings. Just saying. Okay, okay. In fairness, Google says they purposefully circumvented the settings on Safari so they could enable features for Google+, Plus, such as plus one things of interest. And it just so happens when they did that, it had the consequence of also enabling, quote, other Google advertising cookies to be set on the browser, unquote. Google does claim they are now removing these advertising cookies from the Safari browsers. But if you want to talk about privacy issues, this is a far, far bigger issue than a few apps not following Apple's rules. We'll be interesting to see if this story gets bigger legs than the path and contact list story that I mentioned prior to this. As Cory Doctorow said in his story, quote, in the iPhone case, it's likely that Google has gone beyond lowering the quality of its service for its users and customers and has now started to violate the law and certainly to undermine the trust that the company depends on, unquote. And Google fanboys attack in three, two, one. In the past, I mentioned briefly that Apple was having a wee bit of an issue with the whole iPad name in China, and eventually a check would be written and all would be good again. Yeah, well, we're not there yet. And now in China, iPads are being removed from physical shelves and also virtual ones, as Apple has asked Amazon to stop selling the iPad in China. 
there are even rumors that the company that does own the iPad name in China is going to try and keep Apple from producing and exporting the iPad in and from China. Others say that will not happen due to the importance of the production of the iPad in China, i.e. money and jobs talks. Really, it seems it is now privately a battle of where to place the decimal point. Now, before you blame Apple for launching the iPad in China without getting the rights to the name, Apple thought they had, in 2009, purchased the rights to the iPad name from the subsidiary of ProView, the company that owns the rights to the iPad name in China. But then the main company said the subsidiary did not have the right to make the deal. Or put another way, the subsidiary made a deal that was too small in hindsight, and seeing how Apple has this big mountain of cash they are hoarding over there in Cupertino, maybe we can shake them down for some of it. The more I read up on the story, the more it really looks like some very unethical business on the part of ProView. Um, they originally agreed to sell the rights to the iPad name in 10 countries, including China, for about 55,000 US dollars. There was an agreement that was signed by both parties. Then, well, it seems ProView upper management realized they left some or a lot of money on the table, and it was time to shake Apple down for some additional funds. A court in Hong Kong ruled in Apple's favor already, saying basically just that. But on mainland China, rules are a bit different. The question comes down to now, how much is ProView asking for? And if push comes to shove, will the government of China allow ProView to push production of the iPad out of China to, oh, say, Brazil? And also at the same time, scare off others from potentially building products in China. I would be surprised to see uh, this one not settled out of court shortly, with the settlement a wee bit above the original 55000 uh, with the Chinese government pushing both parties to settle this so that they don't have to pick sides. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob, now that I have a .com domain, I get way more page views a day. I'm getting double what I used to see. I've seen a steady increase in page views since getting a top-level domain. I recommend anyone that has a blog to get a hover domain if they haven't already done so. Regards, Ben M. Thanks, Ben, for the feedback and for supporting the sponsor of the show. And I want to take a minute now to talk about today's sponsor, and that is, of course, Hover. If you go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, you can get 10% off your domain name registrations and transfers. We have talked in the past about some good reasons to register a domain name, and I can say having registered domain names at a few other services in the past, Hover is without a doubt my favorite site to register and manage domains. The interface is so drop-dead simple. It is not cluttered. It is not insulting to your senses. It is not trying to upsell you with some confusing links and additional screens that make no sense. Hover just presents the info you need, and that is it. And then when it comes time to manage your domains and add redirects, it is also so easy and fast to do so. Hover has some specials going on right now through February 29th, and that is .me domains for $10 versus $20 normally. .co are $15 right now versus $30 normally. .mobi are just $5 versus original $15. And .pro are also just $5 versus the $20 normally. And then take another 10% off that when you go to tii.hover.com to register. 
Again, this special is good until February 29th for those domain um, reductions in prices. Again, to save 10% on your registrations, including the specials, just go to tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com. Isn't it time you like registering domain names again? Thanks, Hover, for supporting this show. Hey, Rob. It's Ken from South Jersey. So in the past week, I used 37 apps. Ken, thanks for the feedback, and thanks for everyone else that sent in emails. Last week, I had asked people to report how many apps they used in a week. Here are some of the other results. Mark used 59 apps, Matt, 29 out of 211 that he's installed. Eric was using 41 apps. Jim used 49. Skip used 40. Killed 26. Ian had 41 out of his 60 apps that he had installed that were used. Mike was 33 apps. Danielle was 37, Trey was 39, and I used 35, which gives an average of just over 38 apps used per week per user, a bit higher than the five or so that the survey mentioned on the last show, which is a good reason why if you're an app developer sitting out there, you need to send in your promo codes and reviews of your apps. Because one thing is definitely certain, TII listeners love them apps. Reaching back into the email bag, Hi, Rob. I wanted to ask if anyone knows of an iOS app that possesses the same functionality as the calendar app in Palm OS. It was provided with the Palm 5 PDA circa 1999-2000. Mainly, it provided the ability to literally set the exact date and time desired, not predefined times by five-minute increments. Also, there were multiple mode customizable reminders There were even links between contacts and calendars with autofill capability as well. You could assign a phone number to an appointment. I've been referred to Pocket Informant, but as good a job as it does, it's no match for the functionality that was provided by Palm OS. Regards, Sterling. Hi, Sterling. We've talked about apps in the past that came close to Palm OS's capabilities, but it was quite some time ago like back when the App Store first opened, and we were also talking about importing in uh, information from Palm. So I will send this request out again for the listeners. If you know of and or use an app that meets Sterling's requirements, especially if you were an old Palm user, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send in response to todayinios at gmail.com. Back to the email bag we go. Hi Rob, I reckon I've installed over 30 to-do list apps, but the app Clear is really one of the best. Dream of Star Trekking across as you swish and swipe through your controls or iPhone. Easy prioritization comes through holding and dragging to the drop, which then changes to a hotter color. Very sexy. It says it's on special and it is every bit worth the 99 cents I spent on it. Regards, Tash. Thanks, Tash, for your review of Clear, which has been getting a bit of a buzz lately going around it. If you have the TI app, you should have gotten a push from me earlier this week about a talk that Tim Cook was about to do and a link to the live stream of it. If you did not have a chance to listen or shudder to think you have not purchased the TI app yet, well, let me give a quick summary of the speech. Tim thinks that the 37 million iPhones sold last quarter was a decent number, but there is much more upside, 
as they only represented about 25% of the smartphone market, meaning that three out of every four smartphones purchased last quarter were not an iPhone. And the iPhone was less than 9% of the cell phone market overall. So he emphasized great potential upside, almost like he was speaking to investors, which, well, he was as it was at a Goldman Sachs tech conference. He did say there were 3 million Apple TVs last year that were sold, and 1.4 million of those were sold in the last quarter. And he emphasized it's still just a hobby. He also said there were now more than 100 million iCloud users. He then announced all the new products for 2012. Well, okay, not really. He did, however, talk about the iPad and its great growth, 55 million units in the first 21 months. He started out the talk talking about Apple's commitment to a safe work environment for its entire supply chain, that underage labor is not tolerated or allowed at their final assembly plant, and Apple was working to push those rules down into the supply chain. Overall, there was nothing you would say that was breaking news from the speech, but Tim did get in some laughs, and he seemed to do a really good job in the speech. Per the whole working conditions at Foxconn controversy, one thing that Apple has done recently was they joined the FLA, that is the Nonprofit Fair Labor Association, which was started in 1996 by the Clinton administration as a way of reducing issues at sweatshops around the world. And the FLA just went out. Battle speed mortator. And is starting to audit Apple's supply chain in China. Per Foxconn, the FLA said the following, quote, The facilities are first class. The physical conditions are way, way above average of the norm. I was very surprised when I walked onto the floor at Foxconn how tranquil it is compared with a garment factory. So the problems are not the intensity and burnout and pressure cooker environment you have in the garment factory. It is more a function of monotony or boredom of alienation, perhaps, unquote. Attack speed. Attack speed! So, for that last bit, monotony, boredom, and alienization, yeah, not so hot. But the rest of it was very positive. Actually, it was, for some, way too positive. See, some people want the FLA to say that Foxconn is evil and there is someone banging on a drum while others walk up and down the rows cracking whips. And then when there is an Apple product launch, they would be speeding up the drum beat to make them produce more product until they either just collapse or commit suicide. And if you think I'm being overly critical of those in the media being overly critical of Apple and Foxconn. Ramming speed. Ramming speed. Take this headline from The Independent from the UK. The title is, quote, Apple admits it has a human rights problem, unquote. Wow. Or holy bleeping bleep. That is so not what Apple said. Apple said they want the FLA to inspect the facilities of their largest suppliers. Nowhere did Apple say, hint, or in any way, shape, or form suggest that they have a human rights issue. But what the heck? It is Apple. And in their mind, Apple is the one telling the drummer to go to ramming speed.
Okay, a little more on Foxconn. Now comes word that they are giving their workers a pay raise. It is reported to be between 16 and 25% raise this month, the third raise since 2010. I know a lot of the media want to complain about Foxconn working additions and treatment of the workers, but still, seems like when I hear about three pay raises since 2010 and 60-hour work weeks, I kind of get a little jealous. How many of you out there have had three pay raises since 2010? Since 2007, I have not had any pay raises. And I work over 60 hours a week, and I usually work seven days a week for that matter. Granted, not monotonous work, but still, just saying. I mentioned in the past I used iBooks Author to create one of the new iPad-only iBooks. Well, that iBook is now live in iTunes, and it will cost you nothing. That's right, it's free. The book is titled Podcast 101, and I basically took my free tutorial on how to podcast that's over on Podcast 411 and converted it and updated it for the iBook. And as I mentioned before, it did not take very long at all, just a few evenings. Actually getting the artwork for the chapter headers and the cover, that took the longest of the whole process. Making sure I had artwork that was Creative Commons and had the right to use, that is. Anyway, I want to do an experiment to see how many downloads of the iBook it takes to get into the top 100 of a category and maybe the top 100 overall. So please, even if you do not have an iPad, please download my iBook, Podcast 101, link in the show notes, but easiest to just search for Podcast 101, one word, uh, look for that in iTunes, and please download this as soon as you hear this episode. I'll also send out a few pushes in the next 36 hours with links to the book. So again, please help me out as I would like to see what it takes to get to the top 100. And if you all download this free book, I am sure we'll get into the top 100 in my category and probably the top 100 overall for free iBooks. Again, search for Podcast 101 and it is free. And I will, of course, on the show, report back how many downloads of the iBook it took to get into the top 100. I'd like to send out a congrats to the guys behind the Kickstarter project Elevation Dock, which is a very simple and useful iPhone dock, which allows you to use it with or without the case for the iPhone 4 and 4S. The project had over 10,000 people pledge. No, not $10,000 in pledges over 10,000 people, and they combined pledged over $1 million on Kickstarter, which is the all-time record for a Kickstarter project. And of course, yes, it did hit its goal, which was a still a lofty goal to start with at $75,000. Actually, the final numbers for the Elevation Dock, 12,521 backers pledging a total of $1.46 million, so $1,464,706. Wow. Hi, Rob. I am calling in with response to our last episode. You asked about different note-taking apps, or your caller did, and I'd like to throw one out in the mix. Notability, N-O-T-A-B-I-L-I-T-Y, is one that I've used on the iPad several times and I really like. It is great for a number of reasons. The main one that I like about it, main thing I like about it is the fact that you can, as you're taking notes, you can record the audio and it will timestamp essentially the audio so that if you click on a particular spot that you've taken a note or drawn a sketch or what have you, it will cue it 
in the replay mode, um, it'll cue it right to that part of the audio clip. You're able to open a variety of different files in that. Um, you're able to insert images. You are able to sync it with Dropbox and other device, other types of services. So uh, again, I think it's worth checking out. It's not particularly expensive, and I've tried several different note-taking apps. This is the best one in my book for what I'm looking for, and hopefully for other other listeners as well. Thanks, Rob. Kevin, thanks for the feedback. Here's one via email. Hi, Rob. My favorite note-taking app for the iPad is Note Taker HD. Many features. Also for both iPhone and iPad is Evernote. Not as many features, but it will iCloud sync between devices. Regards, David V. Hi, Rob. This is Josh out in Rochester, New York. You just put a call out on your last show for our favorite note-taking apps. And I am not a student, but my favorite note-taking app is Notability. I use this a ton. In fact, I like it so much that three of my other close friends were on a community service board together, and we all use Notability. It does handwriting recognition. It records the meetings. It gives me uh, spaces where I can type in or put a, insert a picture in. It will import it in PDFs, and then you can put it in various folders and categories to keep everything nice and neat. Now, if I am writing on a uh, PDF, I will use UPad instead, just because my use case, the UPad format, works a little bit better than Notability. Each of them are only a few dollars, each of them under $5 in the App Store. The first one, Notability, huge fan of it, works fantastic, never had a problem with it, and it syncs back to Dropbox, which is even better. And then UPad being the second one, and all told, you'd be spending probably $7 on it too. So, hope that helps you guys. Thanks a lot. Bye. And a little bit more on this. Hi, Rob. Someone was looking for an iPad app for taking handwritten notes, audio recording, and import-export PDF in one app. Try the sound and note-taking apps for students. Uh, SoundNote, Auditorium, Notify, Notarize, Notability, Paper Desk, Mental Note, Notes Plus, FatPad, WhiteNote. For handwritten note apps, Try Sundry Notes and Penultimate. And then for paper and pen apps, try UPad, Notebook, WritePad, Notetaker HD. Regards, Paul H. Thanks, Paul. Hi, Rob. It's Shelley calling from Ottawa, Canada. And I want to put in uh, my recommendation for an app called Capture Notes 2. So Capture Notes is all one word and then the number 2 at the end. And it's currently on sale, or for sale, rather, in the App Store for $4.99, and it is worth every penny of that. It ha you, can hand you can do freehand writing, you can type, you can draw, you can import PDFs and mark up the PDFs, and it records as well and does all kinds of other things. There's a few things that set it apart. One of them is that you can add flags to any page, and I think you can add another of many wonderful things this does. You can have separate binders, and within those binders, you can have separate notebooks. If you're a student with the normal five classes, you could have one binder for each of your classes, one notebook for each week, or however you wanted to organize it, but it works quite beautifully. I love this app, and I also have to say this developer is absolutely fantastic, very responsive, fixes bugs, lickety-split, and also listens very, very well to user input and has every intention of continuing to do wonderful things with this application. 
Hi, Rob. This is Rob from Boston. I would recommend Fast Finger. That's F-A-S-T-F-I-N-G-A. It's $1.99 on the App Store for the older version, $2.99 for the latest version. It's a universal app, and uh, it supports most of the uh, features the listener was looking for, including handwritten notes as well as uh, typed-in text notes. Um, it also has photo import and uh, voice notes, checkboxes. Um, you can set a reminder on a note to bring it to the, to the app when the uh, notification pops up. Um, it also has plenty of export options for Evernote, Google Docs, email, and uh, several other clients. And uh, it also does markup of PDF, uh, at least when you export it. It'll um, allow you to mark up a, a document and export it to, to all those applications. The one thing it doesn't do is it doesn't import PDFs, at least as far as I can tell. The other application I recommend for importing and marking up PDFs would be Notify which doesn't have some of the other features, but it does do markups. Hope that, hope that helps, and uh, I'll talk to you later. Thanks to everyone that sent in feedback on the note-taking apps. Sounds like the top ones there were Notability, Note-Taker HD, Evernote, UPad, Capture Note 2, and Fast Finger. Okay, back into the news. And we'll go with IET. Yep, that's not something I talk about often, and, well, that is an issue for Apple. Well, not that I am not personally talking about them, but rather that no one is. Remember when iAds required a $1 million min ad buy for advertisers, and then that was cut to $500,000 min ad buy? Yeah, well, Apple has cut the min buy once again, this time to just $100,000. Apple also changed the rev share split, with producers now getting 70% of the rev versus 60% previously. And Apple will be doing one other change with iAds. No more will agencies be charged both with for the impression fee and the click fee. Apple will now just charge based on the impressions. Or put another way, Apple charges now on what is shown, not what is shown and then again if it is clicked on. Thanks, Tash, for the heads up on that last one. Thanks to all that sent in this next one, which picks up on the storyline of organizations dropping BlackBerry and picking up iPhones. The latest is NOAA, which is the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration in the U.S. The most interesting quotes from the article are, quote, it all comes down to economics. I've got a lot of pressure to cut our operating costs, unquote, said Jim Klumovic, uh, NOAA's CIO. So if you have a device users want to use, and it is also cheaper to use, yeah, not good news for RIM at all. This next one is left over from episode 211 because basically I could not get myself to report on it in episode 211. But wow, did a lot of people report on it since then? And what is this earth-shattering news that needs to be reported on by over a couple dozen different blogs? And that is that Apple now requires retina-level screenshots for apps when submitting to iTunes. Nope, still not doing anything for me. No excitement in reporting on that one. Thanks to Jim M. for the heads up on this next one. And just when you think they'll run out of good ideas for iPhone cases, comes this post about retro iPhone cases. What kind of retro, you ask? Well, Apple retro, of course as in one that looks like the original Mac, one that looks like the original iMac. Well, actually five that do, as they have one for each color or flavor or whatever it was called back then. I still have one of the grape ones, uh, the grape iMac around here somewhere in the basement. 
They also have one that makes it look like the original iPod, which I also still have, or at least my wife does. Actually, I have the Mac too. So hey, I have one of each of the products that they are inspired by. Cool. If any or all of those cases sound of interest to you, check out the link in the show notes over at todayinios.com for episode 212. Look for the one titled Retro iPhone Cases. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Just wanted to let you know I've been playing with the iPhone app Eevee, and it seems to have better server response now. I was able to ask it 12 questions in a row and get a prompt response from the servers. Previously, I had suffered not getting any responses around the same time of the day. Regards, David M. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. I was just catching up on podcasts and was listening to episode 210. I am very new to jailbreaking, and in it, you say to change the root and, and password and wireless passwords. I was wondering if I really need to do that if I don't install OpenSSH. It looks pretty hard to change the passwords. Thanks for everything you are doing. Regards, Mark. Hi, Mark. If you don't turn on SSH, you should be fine. The chances of anyone actually hacking you, even if you did turn it on, are slim, very slim at best. That all said, if you do anything on your iPhone for work where said info, if it got out, could cost you your job, then change the password. Even if you are not planning on turning on SSH, or better yet, don't jailbreak if you have really confidential info on your iPhone or it passes through your iPhone. Just saying. Thanks to Scott for this next one. And well, thanks sorta, because it's from thestreet.com. And in the past, I've pretty much ripped them on Apple coverage. But this time is a post from Jim Cramer himself, and it is more an observation than anything else. And it is a pretty interesting observation and one worthy of my hypocrisy for mentioning anything from thestreet.com. His observation is about the Super Bowl ads, and the one he thought was the best was not a paid-for ad at all. It was at the end of the game, after the Giants had won, and the players were on the field, and the Lombardi Trophy was brought out. For those not familiar with U.S. football, this is the crowning moment of the season. Well, when it was brought out, you could see on TV many of the Giants players pulling out their iPhones to take pictures of the trophy. And the quote from Kramer I liked best was, quote, of course it wasn't an ad. It was just a collection of the most cool, most idolized competitors in the world whipping out their favorite device, which they had on them at the field, ready for action, unquote. Yep, let Samsung pay three-plus million dollars to make fun of iPhone users, which I still don't get, by the way. Apple paid nothing and had the best ad of the night. Thanks to Tash for this next one, which really falls under win a beer from your mate category. And you can do that by betting on whether there are more iPhones sold every second or babies born worldwide every second. You, of course, need to pick iPhones sold per second if you want to win. But you probably figured that out since it's being talked about on this show. For those uber nerdy geeks that have to have the numbers, it is 4.6 iPhones sold per second last quarter versus 4.2 births per second. What the article did not say is what all those babies are doing with all those iPhones. Still trying to figure that one out. I mean, other than playing with the iRattle app, I guess. Into the email bag we shall go. 
Hey Rob, I was just listening to the last show and I heard you say that iOS 5.1 should be out any day now. I also remember you saying in the past that you believe the iPad will have a later release date. I'm expecting it to be released sometime in March, more than likely with an announcement in late February, early March. The longer they take to release 5.1 tells me I might be right. Have any other listeners been expressing an opinion either way? Regards, Vince. Well, after Vince sent that in, Apple PR announced that the iPad 3 will be announced the first week of March. And by Apple PR, I, of course, mean All Things D. According to All Things D, sources say the company has chosen the first week of March for an event, which will be at the Yerba Buena Center for the Arts. Expect the iPad 3, or whatever it is called, to be available for purchase about a week later. Right now, people are guessing on a Wednesday, March 7th date for the special event, with the new iPad to go on sale Friday, March 16th. To which I say, really? On the first weekend of the NCAA tournament? Well, that would really suck. So Vince, does this mean I am giving up on my thoughts of a June release and announcement? Yep, looks like I was wrong. When All Things D announces it, it's kind of like an official leak. Plus, Jim Dalrymple over at The Loop, he also agreed with this news. Yes, I'm kind of surprised, but not unhappy. I, like many others, expected to offer a new, quote, retina display, unquote, which will be double the resolution. The iPad 1 and 2 are XGA standard resolutions. That's 1024 by 768. The new iPad 3 would be QXGA standard, which is 2048 by 1536, which, like the iPhone 4, was a double up from the previous generation. It would also likely have an A6 chip, which, of course, no one really knows what that means other than the next better, newer, faster processor and the one that the iPhone 6 would get in the fall. Per other specs for the iPad 3, well, we'll go over those on the next couple of episodes if the March 7th date is correct, expect an invite from Apple to go out to selected members of the press on or around February 28th, 29th. Into the email bag we go. Hi Rob, I have an iPhone 4 on AT&T. If I jailbreak my phone with the latest jailbreak software you have been talking about on your latest podcast, would I then be able to use it on T-Mobile or is there something else I would need to do? My contract is almost up and I want to move on. Love the show and recently purchased TI app to show my support. Regards, Dave O. Hi, Dave. First, thanks for supporting the show. Now, per your question, if jailbreaking will allow you to unlock, no, not on the iPhone 4, not if you've upgraded to iOS 5.x. Chances are, in that case, your modem software is 04.11.08, which there is not an unlock for yet. To check your modem firmware, go to the Settings app, then General, then About, and then scroll down to Modem Firmware. Again, if you have an iPhone 4 and you're running iOS 5.x, chances are you are running 04.11.08, and there is no unlock for that yet. As soon as there is an unlock for this available, I will talk about it on the show, as that is what I'm waiting for for my iPhone 4, so I can get my wife on that on T-Mobile. Back into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. On a non-jailbreak iPhone or iPad, is there a way to forget a network after you have left the Wi-Fi router's location? I was at a friend's house and joined his Linksys network. Yeah, 
easy because he uses a default SSID and no security. Yeah, I don't get me started on that. I typically forget the network because I don't want my device to jump onto every random Linksys network I bump into. However, that did not happen on my last visit. Is there a way to forget the network now or must I wait until I reconnect to it? Regards, Pat in Austin, Texas. And for this one, Pat in Austin, I am throwing it out to the audience because I did not find anything on this. If anyone knows how to make your iPhone forget a Wi-Fi hotspot when that hotspot is no longer in range, please let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or email us at todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. Just uh, like to call in on the thing about AirPrint and the Canon. I've uh, been using a Pixmar MG5250 since before Christmas and it really works good. Um, we've got, uh, my wife and I have both got iPhone 4s and uh, iPad 2 and I had no problems at all since the first day. I did have to update the firmware straight away to make it work. It didn't actually see the device until I did that but the firmware is on the website also the firmware at the time i haven't looked lately did say that it was firmware version one which is already on the machine but in actual fact it was um, printed wrong and it was 1.1 or 1.2 or something like that but once firmware is updated works great does all the usual printing scanning uh, prints directly to dvd cds stuff like that Anyway, great show. Thanks for all your efforts. Bye for now. John Martin, uh, Strood, near London, UK. Hi, Rob. This is Tim from Atlanta. I'm just uh, responding to uh, caller Levi in the last uh, episode that was asking about a jailbroken app changing the case from upper to lower case when you're actually typing lowercase letters. Uh, sounds simple enough, but iPhone actually keeps it in uppercase regardless of what status it's actually in. There is a jailbroken app called Showcase. That's capital S-H-O-W, capital C-A-S-E. It is on, on Cydia, and that will do exactly what you're asking. If you, uh, It will change it to lowercase when it's actually typing lowercase letters and vice versa. Uppercase for when like initial caps, for instance. This is iOS 5 compatible. Noteworthy because some keyboard mods, if you will, are not uh, OS 5 compatible. Five-row keyboard, for instance, that worked just fine on 4.3.1, but iOS 5, not at all. The Showcase keyboard mod uh, works just fine on OS 5. Thanks, Rob. Keep up the good work. I've been a long-time listener from the get-go. Uh, this is actually the first time I've actually left a voicemail for your show. Keep up the good work. Bye now. Hey, Rob. It's Ken from South Jersey. Uh, thanks for putting the Tim Cook talk on your podcast yesterday. That was uh, very helpful. A uh, couple of things that I took away from it. One was that Apple is definitely talking more about their cash than they ever have. And Tim allowed that it was more than they need to run the business. So that would just be interesting to see. Uh, he still asked for patience, so maybe nothing imminent on that. The other thing was uh, him talking about the iPad and them noting that it was the, the quickest technology adoption in history, 55 million, I believe they said, sold in less than two years. 
um, and Tim compared that to how long it took Apple to sell that many Macs and how many uh, of their other devices, and so it was the quickest adoption. So he started to paint a picture of innovation behind the iPad, um, starting with the iPad 1, then the iPad 2, and when he said we continue to innovate like crazy in this space, the only punchline he could come up with was 170,000 apps, which is awesome because it is innovation on the platform, but it's not really the full Apple story behind innovation. So I think between all the smoke that's going on now, there's got to be fire around a, a, an imminent iPad announcement. And uh, I think just the inability of Tim Cook to come up with a punchline around his innovate like crazy in this space um, says that uh, that they're doing things that they feel are pretty substantial to the iPad and they are yet to come. Uh, so very much looking forward to that. A few of the things that I think are going to be in it are a new chip and it's going to be called Macro Scaler and um, it's going to do a lot for battery life and performance. They may chew up some of that performance just trying to render things on the retina display. So I think a retina display, or at least a 2X display, not quite the pixel density of the, the iPhone 4 and 4S, um, and I guess iPod Touch for that matter. Uh, but you know, a greatly improved pixel density and, and clarity. And um, I, you know, I assume iOS 5.1 is waiting for the iPad rollout. And, uh, and I thought there was a, another kind of major thing. Oh, we'll see what they do with the cameras um, on the, the next iPad, whatever they wind up calling it. Interested to see, Rob, what you think uh, will be in the next iPad and maybe start making up a bingo card. All right, Rob, talk to you later. Thanks for all you do. Bye. Thanks to everyone that sent in feedback this week, uh, especially those whose feedback I didn't get on the show quite a bit. I didn't get on the show this week. Uh, as always, though, I want to encourage you to send in feedback. Give me a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or you can email in feedback to todayinios at gmail.com. I want to also remind you about the uh, rush we're going to do with the downloading of my iBook. So just search for Podcast 101 in iTunes and download that. It's a free iBook. I just want to kind of see if we can get everyone to do that kind of see what kind of numbers it takes to move up into the top 100. So again, search for Podcast 101. And if you have the TI app, look for some pushes I'll be sending out on that in the next 36 hours. And once again, I'd like to thank today's sponsor, and that's Hover. If you go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, you can get 10% off your domain name registrations. And that includes the specials they're running until February 29th on .me, .co, .mobi, and .pro domains. And that's going to go ahead and do it for us today. Until the next time, I'm your host, Rob, from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I. -I. 